0: This content is issued by Zeus Capital Limited, which is authorised and regulated in the United Kingdom by the Financial Conduct Authority for designated investment business and is a member firm of the London Stock Exchange. Nothing in this podcast should be viewed as investment advice. Listeners should consult an investment professional before making any decisions regarding topics mentioned in this podcast. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and not of Zeus. Please note that participants in this podcast may have financial interests in the matters discussed. Hi, I'm Nick Searle, a member of the Zeus Equity Sales Team and host of A Different Perspective. Here we interview interesting characters from the world of business and finance and uncover a different perspective. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts or contact me at live at zeuscapital.co.uk. We're recording this on Thursday the 9th of June 2022 with Fergus Wiley, Director and Co-Founder of CIFA Strategy. CIFA was established in 2016, recognising the material importance of ESG and the need for management teams to embed it within their business and reporting in response to increasing influence on the cost of capital and the drivers of reputation. ESG remains a topical and potentially divisive subject. Fergus, Welcome.
1: Good good afternoon, I should say. Thank you for having me.
0: Delighted you're here. Uh, Could you start by giving a bit of background on how you came to found Cifa, and also maybe an introduction to how you see ESG?
1: Sure, yeah. So I started my career in the city, actually, but then moved into what would be termed now strategic communications, working with the boards and senior management teams of UK and international companies. Um, And I increasingly got interested and challenged by how you measured reputational value of organisations and and that led me down the road of looking at actually non-financial items and what an impact they will have on the commercial performance of the value of a company and we set up CIFA based on a methodology that we found could do that for boards of of companies that we had delivered in, in a previous life and really that's the road that we took so when we talk about ESG Um, effectively we concentrate on these non-financial items that can have a material impact on a a company. Um, And what happens then is you can then divide those material drivers into an environmental or a social or a governance factor. Um, So that's really how we moved into the ESG space. And uh, the reality of it is ESG touches every part of a company. So in a way, your access into the world of ESG is pretty broad, if you wish it to be.
0: And then, sorry, are all sections of ESG, are the E, the S and G all equal, or do you see that there's some sort of leaning currently to one or the other?
1: To be honest, that completely depends on the organisation sector and business type, you know, um, where it could be that, in fact, the environment could have a bigger impact on them or they're having a bigger impact on the environment. Um, What one's seen in general, if you go back four years, there's no doubt about it, the concentration was on the environment. Not surprisingly, that we've seen since COVID and indeed the tragedies of George Floyd in America, that the social have become as equally important. The challenge is, is that it's quite easy to measure the environment. Actually, it's very hard to measure social. So, that's always going to be the sticking point for many companies.
0: And then, when you engage with a with a customer, how, how do you how do you scope your your offering? What do you actually do for your for your clients? We we
1: t- we tend to get brought in to meet with a senior management team or a board. And the first exercise we advise them for us to undertake is we go away and write a quite a detailed report on where we see them standing on ESG, and that's taken from basically public documentation. So we will look at their annual reports, we will look at their websites, we will look at any analyst research we can get hold of, any media coverage, any sector notes, etc. cetera. Um, And we then do a a couple of interviews with the management team. And from that, we write an analysis of where we believe, from an external perspective, they stand on ESG. Um, And with that comes a series of recommendations. The the first of those tends to be to look at a word I'll use far too much today, which is materiality, which is how can an organization find what is material to them and their performance and, and reputation effectively? Uh, and that tends to be the next stage that we go through that can take
0: quite a long time actually if it's being done properly for a business. So how long would you spend with a, with a company in this sort of due diligence?
1: Uh, the due diligence phase that we tend to do with them probably takes two to three months. Um, probably two. We have done it in four weeks. It depends their demand. Um, and the materiality is then going to take another probably two months to three months to do. So in general, we like to think we tend to advise companies that we think within six months we
0: can get them onto a quite a good program of, of improvement in ESG if that's what they need to do. And then where would be the first part of those improvements? I mean, there's lots of buzzwords and obviously you know, there's there's lots of terminology within your sector. I mean, scope one, scope two. You know, I wonder what's the first thing that a company you know, would you would suggest they should do?
1: The first thing I suggest they do is really have a. A conversation at a senior level as possible, trying to understand what is important to their business. Um, the, the trouble with having an acronym of, of, of anything is it implies it's quite simple uh, um, and it implies you can tick boxes in order to deliver it. That fundamentally isn't the case if you're going to look at ESG properly. So a senior management team has to sit down and go, okay, what impact are we having on the environment? What impact could it have on us? What social impact are we responsible for? Are we really doing enough for employees? Are we looking at our supply chain? Are we looking at our value chain? Um, And what more could we do? And are we then managing this all properly? Is it being discussed at the board? Have we discussed this before? Quite often, we're sitting with companies who, after you've worked with them for a short while, tend to admit that they probably haven't talked about this properly, even though they may have claimed that they have. Um, And if you're looking to do this effectively as a business, you've got to be able to measure it, otherwise change doesn't happen. Um, And so a lot of the work tends to be based around coming up with a a key measurement that the management team are happy with, that they can push through an organisation, and then external stakeholders in particular, the capital markets are happy with. And that sounds very simple. It's actually quite complicated to do because you've got to be very careful of the law of unintended consequence Mm -hmm. where you come up with a measurement that actually derives a different outcome to what you're trying to achieve. So it's it's not a simple process. Uh, And many companies look at ESG as a sort of evolution of corporate responsibility um, and try to push it into one department of a business and say, well, there's your role. You go and make us look more responsible. The reality of it is, is it touches every single part of a business now. So you can't delegate it down into a business. In fact, what you've got to do is bring many different participants around a table and say, how does this work? You know, if you're a single market, single product company, that's quite simple. If you're a multi-product, multi-market company, you know that becomes
0: increasingly more complicated. And um, even, even we're seeing it pull, pulls and pushes from both sides, both corporates and from investors.
1: Yeah, and um, you know we'll probably touch on it later, but there's been some criticism of ESG, rightly. And in fact, that's not really been concentrated at corporates. It's been concentrated at the way that asset managers have approached it, right. and indeed some of the information they're using in order to make judgments around it. And that, quite rightly, has been criticised, actually.
0: And... Whilst I have you here, be remiss of you n- not to give me a very simple definition of scope one and scope two. We hear a lot about these two um, in into corporate strategy, but uh, you know, for the listeners, a, a brief reintroduction to both. Um, I'm actually the wrong person to talk about that because I'm not a climate specialist on the round this, but
1: effectively, scope one and scope two and scope three is you're looking at where you have operational responsibility for emissions. So scope one is effectively the emissions you're driving from your own organization. Um, scope two is the, effectively the electricity you're bringing in in order to do that, uh, the utilities effectively. And scope three is all the emissions in your value chain. Um, so scope one and scope two are effectively easy to do for a business. If you're looking at properly at emissions reduction, scope three is, is much more complicated okay. because you've got to look up your supply chain You've got to look at your own operations, and then you've got to look down into your product chain effectively as, as your product goes out into the big, wide world. And measuring that and doing that properly is, is far more complicated. But every organization is going to have to do it now. And when do,
0: is there a regulatory pathway for that to be the case?
1: Well, effectively, the regulations are there now on on you know on a, for a public company and large private companies to publish their emissions. Um, scope 3 is much more open to interpretation, but as... I think the government is bringing in later this year that there is going to be a a regulation that companies are going to have to announce their net zero pathway, i.e. net zero emissions. Um, You will not be able to do net zero emissions without having done your scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions calculations and then really looked at how you can start reducing those. Understood.
0: So there's a lot of work to be done by a lot of people,
1: I guess. It's it's pulling together data that sits within an organisation but pulling it together into usable form and then testing it. So a- any business that does scope three for the first time, they will change it over the next few years, and that's yeah. fine. You know. um, you know, it, it, in fact, most businesses should look to change their assumptions that they're making and the boundaries they put in in understanding it and developing o- over time. It, it's a key point around any business looking at ESG is you're not going to achieve it all in a year. Um, if you achieve it all in a year, you'll do it incorrectly. So give yourself time, um, and anybody who's out there as a stakeholder will accept that you're on a journey if you're transparent about it and start you know, delivering
0: on some of the objectives you've laid out on that journey. I think that's right. I guess it's the transparency that's key, and that's, I guess, what shareholders are asking for as well. Isn't yeah. It?
1: For all the organizations we work with, um, I, I'm going to regret saying this now probably, but we haven't come across a shareholder who hasn't been satisfied with a business who has set out its plan and where it intends to go and the deliverables that will do to do that. And that is a very acceptable route as far as the capital markets are concerned.
0: That's great. It makes a lot of sense. If I can bring you back to CFA, could you sort of give me um, an example or a case study of how you've worked? I mean, I'm not expecting any names, but certainly you know, what, what would be the process? Yeah,
1: I, I can't give you any names because we have a policy of never naming our clients. And, and the reason for that is... Um, we tend to go in as a kind of trusted senior advisor so and all of this has to be implemented by the business not by us it's not like you can outsource it to us so we're facilitators so we find it better not to talk about them but in in general i mean if if i'll, I'll talk to a couple so if they hear this podcast they won't think i'm talking about them but <laughs> uh, but but the best route is is we go in we, we write these detailed reviews and that tends to lead to quite a lot of dialogue within a business because. They tend to be a little bit aggrieved that we've come up with some, you know, scorings that they think they're doing very very well at, and we're going, well, actually, we don't think you are. And, and a key bit a company needs to think about is there's now an area called double materiality, and that's not only – that's the impact that you have on the environment or, or, or socially, um, and indeed then quite harder to judge is what impact could it have on you. So, We'll probably get to talk about TCFD, which is the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure that Mark Carney has, has formed. And the whole purpose of that is is to force companies to think about what impact could climate change have on my business model, not this year or next year, but five years, 10 years, 50 years, 20 years, up to 2050 in advance. Now, for many companies, they've actually never thought beyond the three- to five-year strategy, so it's quite a difficult concept to do. So we, we tend to go in write these reports, and then, depending on the sector, depending on the business, how developed they are, we work with them to develop an ESG program that is right for their business and delivered over time. Um, And what you tend to find is it just gets more and more complex, because the more you get into a business, the more they realize that the actions they're taking have going to have an impact with staff or with the supply chain or whatever. Clearly, it becomes much more factual and much more data driven. Um, And that's good. I mean, that's exactly how this is going to have to go. I mean, the difference between ESG and everything in the past that has looked in this area is you're going to have to measure it. And the capital markets and other stakeholders are going to demand that measurement. So if you can't measure it, you're going to fail.
0: Again, yeah, again, it makes a lot of of sense. Um, I think you sort of commented on it before, but esg has been under a lot of pressure recently um i can obviously see this as an opportunity for you but you know, how do you see the market or the esg sector developing over this medium term
1: um I, th- I think what we've seen over the last few years and whether it's been driven from covid or climate change um, esg is suddenly it was quite an academic discussion actually that that people had and suddenly it became sort of public knowledge if that's the way to put it um, so it burst out of a, a sort of the dark areas and, and became this big area that the capital markets were looking at, that other stakeholders were looking at, and boards were being forced to look at. And it, it, that growth has invariably meant, like on a pendulum, it swung quite far. And when things swing quite far, they tend to go. Well, hang on a minute, is that right? So I think yeah, the questions that are being put at it are exactly right. I mean, it would be it, it, wrong if it wasn't being questioned. And clearly, isn't anything like this? There will be always be cynics who go well, really, is this worth me doing? Is it really of importance to my business? Um, So I think that criticism is exactly fair. As I touched on, in fact, it's important to highlight that the criticism isn't being targeted at businesses and what they should be doing in order to be aware of their environmental responsibility and their social responsibilities and how they manage it. In fact, the criticism is being put at certain asset managers for greenwashing funds Mm -hmm. um, and the use of rating agencies who... You know, how much importance can you put behind a rating agency which is scoring absolutely everything? Um, and, you know, is that really valid?
0: And you would have thought we'd have learnt in you know, 2008,
1: 2009, right? Yeah, and we, we did some research last year amongst corporates. You know, the biggest frustration for them are these rating agencies. And the trouble is if you're being asked to give data on something that isn't important to your business, it's incredibly frustrating, yeah. especially then when they downgrade you. Um, there's always a story of a, of a technology company that hadn't put any details on its water consumption in there, and they got downgraded for it. And the technology was company was saying our water consumption is in the loo down the corridor. You know, we, it's not valid to our business. So you know, and that's slightly tongue in cheek, but yeah, you know, those rating agencies are going to have to change. And it goes back to this word of materiality. So if companies are more promoting what's important to them and demonstrate they've done the work, and to be honest, it's not for me to criticise, but asset managers are less relying on outsourcing the data and doing their own homework then I think a lot of this will go away and to the second answer your question that's the way this will develop over the next decade
0: so I guess not every company is equal therefore a tick box doesn't truly work and I think that's the same that certainly asset management compliance teams are struggling with at, at the moment yeah, as and well uh,
1: there was a very good article in the Financial Times yesterday I think it was that was Yeah, it's rather similar, so I'm completely plagiarizing this, that, you know, if you've got 10 friends, you know, would you go and score your 10 friends the same way? Some of them are quite good at sports, some are good fun, some are academic, whatever. Um, You know, are you going to put different weightings on them or are you going to make a judgment of them based on, you know, what's material to them? Um, It's no different in ESG. You can't do a single scoring mechanism for every company, let alone if it's in a different sector. But, you know. How are they performing? How are they looking at it? What is their environmental responsibility? Social, in particular, is is very difficult to score. Um, So I I just have a question mark over the validity of it. Um, So what's going to happen, which is happening, is that if you can get more uniformity on what organizations should be looking at, capital markets understand better what that uniformity is. You're going to get a better dialogue between the asset manager and the company. in order to understand what is important to their business and why. And that's exactly what should be happening. It's
0: almost like accountable KPIs, isn't it?
1: It goes back to where I started. If you can identify the KPIs which are important to your business and demonstrate that you're measuring those properly, you're not putting numbers in there that haven't been you know, calculated properly within a business, then that is going to be the acceptable route. And it's
0: exactly the same way as you would have different financial KPIs for different companies in different sectors.
1: Exactly, and that's what the IFRS are trying to get towards with the ISSB, etc. So, you know, everybody's got to be aware, ESG is still very young in principle as a kind of economic discipline, and I do argue it is an economic discipline. Um, so going forward, you've got to give it time to to, you know, to get it right, and sometimes there will be mistakes. Just like there are times when your friends rather annoy you, you know. So you know, it, it, it will happen, and it's right that it is, it, it is happening. So the criticism is fair,
0: but I think I think it's it's right to stay. It is here to stay. You know, the the genie has been let out of the bottle.
1: I, I think purely, you know, and, and some of the dialogue has been based around this, you know, around the tragedies in Ukraine, et cetera. Is um, yeah, the narrative is is you know the stress on the global environment is not changing; it's only getting worse. We're not doing enough, so it'll get worse quicker. That is only going to put more pressure on organizations in order to take their responsibility for that. And indeed, think about what does it mean for their business and products yeah, uh, at the same time. And then socially, you know, due to you know, the mass growth in mobile phones and, and transparency, is how an organization behaves to its employees, um, you know, to its, its supply chain, to its customers, is now out there. So that's going to have an impact on it. So as long as you know, the realisation is there that as a factor of risk and opportunity to the commercial and uh, valuation of your business is going to be impacted by this, then it's, it's here to stay. And for those reasons alone, it's here to stay.
0: No, that's great, Fergus. Thank you very much. Um, as my regular listeners will appreciate, I'd like to close with a few final questions. And we'll take them sort of one at a time if that's right, Fergus. Um, mm-hmm. Your greatest inspiration or mentor?
1: Um, I never had a mentor, but my inspiration, I, I I have always had a great love of sport and was never really good enough at it, but I spent a number of years running around a rugby field very badly, and um, so my inspiration was always an Irish captain, who nobody will have remembered now, called Willie John McBride, but um, I had the pleasure of meeting him once or twice, and following him through my career, and his leadership, and the values that he promoted, and what you learn on the sports field is so important in life, so I'm afraid he's my choice.
0: No, I and mean, it sounds like a great choice. Um, and a book that inspired you?
1: Um, I'm an avid reader, so I, I, I'm afraid I couldn't... I thought about this. We could have two. We it. can have two. Uh, no, I'm going to tell you, um, you yeah, know, there's, there's a book is, which I hope will inspire me next, because I think every time you read a book, you should be inspired by it. So there's a book by Gillian Tett about how anthropology is having such a growing influence on life and business, and... Um, so that's my next book. So I'll, I'll challenge Gillian that that will be my inspiration when I read it.
0: Oh, right. So you actually not read it yet? I have read it yet. It's called
1: Anthrovision. Yeah, I'm not promoting it here. Probably. No, 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 no. Uh, I mean, I'm going to write it down because... Um, um, but it, yeah, I think it's fascinating because what it's touching on is the point I just said, which is because of technology driving transparency, human nature but increasingly has an influence. Yes. So yeah. I think it's, it, it's going to be a very interesting read. So I'm choosing that as my book.
0: Excellent. And then... What piece of advice would you give to a young person starting out in their career if they wanted to follow your, your footsteps?
1: Um, I, th- I think, you know, the great thing about ESG is, which I've said, is it touches on so many parts of an organisation. So if you are sitting, if you started your career in HR or if you started it in finance or you've started it in um, sustainability or whatever it may be, you know, you can get into this industry now because people are coming in from those different areas. Um I think I'd say to anybody is do a lot of reading about it, and there is a lot of reading out there. But the most important bit to a young person is go out and network about it. Don't do it through your phone, I'm afraid. Is, um, you know, you've know you got to go out and meet people and talk to people about it. And I say that to all the young people I work with and employ because it, it fascinates me that they think they can build a career without doing that.
0: Um, face-to-face meetings I mean it might be post-covid uh, the fact that we are now back to face-to-face meetings for me is a great relief actually yeah,
1: absolutely yeah it's the only way to do it so um, don't
0: hide behind an email or a whatsapp or whatever it may be go out and meet people and I, uh, although it's not my question I'd also add pick up the telephone yes talk to people <laughs> yes. yeah, I, yeah.
1: Um, right completely and um, you'll find you'll enjoy work a lot more by doing it as well
0: I think that's exactly right um, Fergus, how can listeners get in touch with you and CIFAR? Um, Probably go to the website, which I have to admit we're changing, but it's you know,
1: cifastrategy.com. Um, or, yeah, there's an email address there for me, and, and contact me that way or through LinkedIn. Um, I'm lucky there aren't many Fergus Wileys in the world. So um, I'm in that way quite easy to find.
0: Fergus, it's been fantastic. Thank you very much for your time today. Not at all. Thank you. Great to be here.